So last week, Sunday, the Lord gave us that caption. Growth is non-negotiable. And we said that something is non-negotiable when it cannot be changed by discussion. In other words, trying to negotiate that God, you let me be what I am, but still do what you say you do in my life. God says, no, you've got to grow. Because there are some things you would want to entrust to our care. Until we grow, they can never be. Hallelujah. So I'm glad that today he, I've been saying it since last week, those who have been following on, uh, I mean, during the dumb broadcast throughout the week, I've been saying that we'll look at Hebrews chapter 6. I didn't know how I was going to caption it, but thank God, in the night hours, I got a caption from, I think the verse 1, let us go on to perfection. Can you tell your neighbor, let us go on to perfection. And that's a very powerful caption. I believe that the Lord will help us to appreciate this Hebrew says, which we have looked at in detail in the year 2018. You identify that we have looked at this particular chapter in detail and thank God for record. All the messages that were preached during that period are in our podcast. When you go to www.iprministries.com and you go to the homepage and you search for podcasts, you can search for the messages I'm going to mention. They are all captured there. Praise the Lord. Let me read from the New King James and then I'll read from the New Living Translation and I'll come back to the New King James. From verse 1 of Hebrews chapter 6, Apostle Paul writes in saying, Therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ, let us go on to perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works. So in 2018, just some few months after the ministry started, we started laying this very foundation. Any child of God who has not been taught in the foundational messages will be building on a faulty foundation. And one day when you get to the top, you get to know that, ah, I don't have a correct foundation, so I need to go and strengthen the foundation. So in case you were not around, thank God for record. Some years back when we did ministry, we never recorded a single thing. But this time around, the record is there. The videos are there on YouTube, even on Facebook. And then the audios are on the podcast on our website. So what is the first foundation? Repentance from dead works. I may not be able to emphasize that because that is a message on its own. The next one is end of faith toward God. And I did mention when I taught on faith toward God that faith is a material, both of the foundation as well as of the building. So from time to time, and you will discover that since that 2018 till 2021, we keep going back and forth once upon a time teaching faith because it's, both a, mat- it's a material, both of the foundation as well as of the building. Hallelujah. The just shall live by faith. We walk by faith and not by sight. And so faith is very much required even now. Then the next one was of the doctrine of baptisms. And you need to hear that message. Please go to the podcast and look at the doctrine of baptisms. 
some people have misconstrued certain teachings on the baptism, I mean, doctrine of baptisms, and have taught it wrongly. But you will find the right teaching based on the word of God when you go to that message. And of laying on of hands, a very important message I taught also, and I explained what laying on of hands is all about. I remember I said that whenever hands are laid, a gradient is created. I hope you know a gradient. A gradient is where there is the release of authority, of power from one source higher than the one who is at the receiving end. And so it matters who lays hands on you and it matters where you put your head to receive, you know, laying out of hands. I remember I explained in that message, for instance, there was this young boy who, because of a certain misinterpretation of scripture. You see, you can't pick one scripture and make a doctrine out of it. He had learned, for instance, that Jesus said, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Whoever you lay your hands on shall be healed. So, based on that scripture, he went out and started laying hands. Meanwhile, if you watch scripture, there was a time Paul and his companions wanted to go to Mysia. The same Holy Spirit who said, go ye into all the world, said, don't go. They wanted to go to Bithynia, and then the Holy Spirit said, don't go until they saw a vision that invited them to Macedonia. So you cannot just stand on one verse of scripture and make a doctrine out of it. But this boy didn't know this. So out of youthful exuberance, went out. Because he said, go into all the world. And lay hands on this particular mentally disordered person. By the time he finished praying, the guy was made whole. He was released from the mental disorder, but he now became mentally disordered. Are you there? And I explained why that phenomenon. Because anytime there's a laying of hands, there's a gradient created. So if you don't have what it takes to minister to somebody, don't pretend because you will get something other than what you thought you are imparting. Hallelujah. And then of resurrection of the dead, one of the powerful messages I've preached. You need to listen to this message seriously. Go back to the podcast. And of eternal judgment. And then I explained the judgments of God. At least there are about four judgments awaiting, you know, the world. First, the judgment seat of Christ when we are raptured. And then there will also be the judgment of the nations when we come back to the earth. Then there will be the white throne judgment. But in between the judgment of the nations, there is another judgment of those who will believe in Christ and will be killed, as it were. So that's why I said four. But major judgments remaining are three, so to speak. But there is a fourth also. Let me not go into all these things, but just to let you know that I have taught all these messages. They are on the podcast. Kindly go back to them. You will be blessed. So Apostle Paul is saying that, therefore, leaving the discussion and he calls it elementary principles of Christ. Meaning that you can't really teach Christ if you don't have these elementary principles. It's like you can't go to secondary school if you have not been to primary school. Am I right? Even those who are born with great, you know, ability, like they are gifted with certain knowledge, they still go through the process. They don't just get up and become professors. 
So he says, leaving these things, let us go on to perfection. Then he mentioned these doctrines. And then in verse 3, he says, and this we will do if God permits. And I can say the same thing. If the Lord permits that we should rehearse these messages, why not? For the sake of those who are still being born again, for the sake of those who are still coming into the fold of Christ, we can still teach these messages if the Lord permits. But where I'm going to is from verse 4 into 6 today. He says, For it is impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted the heavenly gift and have become partakers of the Holy Spirit and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the age to come. The King James says, of the world to come. If they fall away, to renew them again to repentance. Since they crucify again for themselves the Son of God and put him to an open shame. Somebody say amen. I'll quickly read the New Living Translation of the same scripture. Then I'll come back to the scriptures in the New King James, picking it one by one from verse 4 into verse 6. The New Living Translation will give us a modern communication. It says, so let us stop going over the basic teachings about Christ again and again. There's a reason. Because if you keep on feeding on milk, there are times where you need solid food. I hope you know that. There are times where you need to grow. If somebody becomes an adult, 45-year-old man, and you are still looking for breast milk, what do you think will happen to such a person? No, it's not because you're Breast milk is fully, you know, loaded with all the nutrients, but it is not meant for adults. It's meant for babies. Babies, am I right? So, if after feeding on breast milk for, let's say, two years, and then you are weaned from breast milk, and you are still looking for breast milk, though it has all the nourishment, the best, you know, balanced diet is actually breast milk, but it's meant for babies. But after the baby is weaned, the baby must now feed on solid food, which will give something more than breast milk to help the bones grow, to help the cartilage grow, to help the production of you know, red blood corpuscles, white blood corpuscles, the, 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 the tendon, the you know, lymphatic vessels. You cannot grow to a full mature adult without feeding on solid food. If it's not even possible for a woman who gave birth to you to be breastfeeding you even after two, three, four, five, ten, forty-five, and you are still looking for the same source of breast milk. Maybe another breast milk, but the same person will not even be lactating because God has designed the woman in such a way that after two years maximum, there will be no more lactation. Those who have breastfed can testify to that. Hallelujah. All right, so we cannot do that again and again. So let us stop going over the basic teachings about Christ again and again. Let us go on instead and become mature in our understanding. I brought the New Living Translation for us to understand the caption I gave. Let us go on to perfection. That is what he meant by let us go on instead and become mature in our understanding. So what is God looking for? Or looking from you and me. He's looking for the day when we will become mature in our understanding. Tell yourself, I need to mature in my understanding. I remember one of my messages, I did say that one of the greatest lack in the body of Christ is this thing called the spirit of understanding. Why? Because the devil knows that the day we get understanding will be established. The Bible says, through wisdom is a house built. By understanding, it is established. For the church to be established so that we'll be ready for the coming of the Lord, we need this thing called 
understanding. So he says, let us go on instead, and that is what we're going to do today, and become mature in our understanding. Surely, we don't need to start again with the fundamental importance of repenting from evil deeds and placing our faith in God. You don't need further instruction about baptisms, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. Verse 3 says, and so, God willing, we will move, further, we will move forward to further understanding. 4 into 6 will be my message, but I'll come back to the new King James. For it is impossible to bring back to repentance those who were once enlightened, those who have experienced the good things of heaven and shared in the Holy Spirit, who have tasted the goodness of the word of God and the power of the age to come, and who then turn away from God. Take note of that phrase also, because I'll emphasize that when I get to the new King James. Who then turn away from God. It is impossible to bring such people back to repentance by rejecting the Son of God. They themselves are nailing him to the cross once again and holding him up to public shame. Say amen. amen. Please, I hope you know scripture says that with God, nothing is impossible. Is it not true? And then he also said, all things are possible to him who believes. So with God, nothing is impossible. And the one who believes, nothing is also impossible. So when you hear God in the same way saying that it is impossible, kindly take note because nothing is impossible with God. But here he says, it is impossible. So what is it at all that God is referring to when he says it is impossible? Can we now go to the New King James from verse 4 to 6? And then look at it one by one. Look at the believer, okay? The one who has received the fundamental principles of Christ. Let's say all of us have experienced the fundamental principles of Christ. We have been taught. We have grown. Then the first thing that happens to a believer when he is growing is that first he receives enlightenment. He says, for it is impossible for those who were once enlightened. Do you know until the gospel is preached to you for you to receive illumination and understanding and about the saving knowledge of God. Until then, your mind is blinded. Bible says if our gospel is hidden, it is hidden from those who are lost, whose minds the God of this age has blinded. So they may walk about, they may even have great education, but they are so blind. They have not received the enlightenment that comes from God. But he is talking to you and me now who have been enlightened. The day the gospel came to you and you got to know that, oh, so I was a sinner or I am a sinner. Let me say you are not born again. I'm a sinner. Because some people have refused to accept the fact that because they don't do A, B, C, then they are not sinners. But a sinner is not the one who does A, B, C. The sinner is the one whose sin nature has not been washed away. If you go about preaching and somebody says, oh man, I don't chase women, I don't drink alcohol, I don't, I don't steal, I'm a good guy, I'm a cool and collected guy, that is because he is trying to walk in self-righteousness. But Bible says that righteousness is filthy in the eyes of God. It's like filthy rags in the eyes of God. So it's not about doing good to begin with. It's about what God makes on the inside of us that makes us do good. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. And it is the gospel that brings that enlightenment. The gospel opens your eyes that, oh, not knowing that for all indeed have sinned 
and falling short of the glory of God. Why? Because Adam was the first man to be created and through his seed, through his spermatozoa, he passed that nature in, he inherited from the devil, which is the sin nature. He passed it on to all his descendants. That's why Jesus Christ didn't come through the Adamic race. He came through the Holy Ghost. Mary conceived Jesus by the Holy Ghost. When the angel spoke, that word was a seed planted by the Holy Ghost in the womb of Mary. So Jesus Christ didn't have the Adamic seed in him. He didn't have the sin nature. He was born as the last Adam. And then when he died, he carried every Adamic sin from Adam to the last but one Adam who is not even yet born on his, into his spirit. And he died. When he was raised, he was raised as a new man, the second man. And anybody who is in him is a new creature. Hallelujah. It is impossible for those who were once enlightened. So the first thing that happens to the one who believes the gospel is that you receive what? Enlightenment. If there is anybody listening or watching or here who hasn't believed the gospel yet, your mind is still blinded. You've not received enlightenment yet. What is the next thing? And have tasted the heavenly gift. I like it in the New King James and the King James. The New Living Translation even didn't put it that way. Who is the heavenly gift? I've asked this question before in 2018. If you were there, please remember the answer. Who is the heavenly gift? Can I hear the answer? Jesus Christ. God gave his only begotten son as a gift to the world of sinners. Bible says, for God so loved the world that he gave that was a gift, the heavenly gift. It was not an earthly gift, heavenly. So if you believe the gospel and you confess Jesus Christ as your Lord, you know what happens? You taste of the heavenly gift. And do you know, if you watch people, at least there are some of them in our contemporary world, there were some people who were bad boys or bad girls. They were really bad. But by virtue of the enlightenment through the gospel and believing in Jesus Sometimes, even those that they were messing up with start mocking them. It's like, you are not Krife. Look at the way you are even, you started dressing holy, holy. What brought about that transformation? They realized that, see, it doesn't matter what I was doing out there in the world, not knowing that my mind was blind. I was only pleasing men. But now, I want my life to count. I want to please my heavenly father. Because he gave me the heavenly gift. When you are in the midst of those you used to mess up with, they will never understand you because your mind is so blinded. So it is better you separate yourself because if you don't take it, they will win you back. Bible says, do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. That doesn't mean that you cannot do anything with them. Yes, they are still in the world with you, but you have a mission that if you are with them, then you want to win them over. Not to still associate with them because there is no communion between light and darkness at this juncture. Hallelujah. Because you have tasted the heavenly gift. Do you know something? When you taste this heavenly gift, everything that is sweet on this earth loses its sweetness. I don't know about you. I don't know when you gave your life to Jesus, whether that was your experience. You just lose your appetite for this world. You begin to have a longing. And then you begin to cry in your heart, come Lord Jesus. Every day is a day of expectation and anticipation of his coming because this gift it's like no other. Hallelujah. 
There is no other gift like this one. It's a heavenly gift. So if you have Jesus, you have tasted the heavenly gift. Let's watch what goes on next. The next line says, And have become partakers of the Holy Spirit. The King James says, Holy Ghost. So do you see what happens to the believer after he has received enlightenment and has received Jesus, the heavenly gift? The next thing is that Jesus gives him what? His Spirit. And never you be confused to let anybody tell you, because I've said this before, I've heard people teaching and saying that if you are born again, which is true, we are born again by the Spirit. So there is the measure of the Spirit in the work of salvation. But what you receive is the wells of salvation. When you are born again, Jesus Christ is receiving to your heart and he plants in your spirit the wells of salvation from which we receive the fruit of the spirit joy love joy peace long suffering they are all in that well okay but beyond the well god wants to give you rivers or he wants to now flow from within you as rivers in other words he is not only bringing you personal satisfaction he wants to satisfy others through you and I remember I quoted Acts chapter 8 when I was teaching these things that you check in the book of Acts chapter 8, you will discover that Philip went to Samaria, preached the gospel. The people were enlightened. They received the heavenly gift, Jesus Christ. But then the Bible said that at that time, none of them had received the Holy Ghost. So they sent not mean, no mean an apostle than John and Peter who went to Samaria and laid hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. So what was the difference? The difference was that, yes, you are born again. Yes, there is a measure of the Spirit in you. You have the wells of salvation, but they needed to taste. They needed to partake. The King James, is that how they say, be, become partakers? That is the Greek word koinonia, to share in the Holy Spirit, to have a communion with the Holy Ghost. So first one is what? Enlightenment through the preaching of the gospel. Number two, taste the heavenly gift. After you have tasted the heavenly gift, what will make that heavenly gift sweeter in you every day is the Holy Ghost. That's why we, we get him so that through the Holy Ghost, he connects us to the heavenly gift, the head and the body because the Bible describes the Holy Spirit as the spirit who proceeds from heaven. That's powerful. He didn't say who proceeded, meaning that when the Holy Spirit left heaven, he did not vacate heaven completely. He is with the head and he is also with the body. So we, through the Holy Spirit, we are connected. Please, see yourself connected to the head. Though we are here on earth, we are, we are, we are intimately connected. Say, I'm connected. You know how sometimes we boast with even our, our the network, you know, you go to some places and some networks don't work, but you just know that you are, you are connected. I won't mention the network here. I don't know which one you're connected to. But all of them fail somewhere along the line. But this Holy Ghost never fails. I say he never fails. Listen, when you're going through the valley of the shadow of death, what happens to you? You just know that you are connected. Through the Holy Ghost, you can begin to have communion with the Father and with his Son. That is all the Holy Spirit is in our lives to do. To make us have intimacy with the Father and with his Son. To reveal Jesus to us. This heavenly gift, he makes him sweeter. Every day you long for Jesus. Every day you are hungry for him. It's the Holy Spirit who works that thing in you. Bible says in Philippians 2.13 For it is God who works in us both to will and to do for his good pleasure. 
If you are born again, if you are enlightened, you have received the heavenly gift, you've tasted the heavenly gift, and you have not received the Holy Ghost yet. Ah, bah. Something is wrong. I recommend to you the Holy Ghost. Do you know why? The next one will tell you why. Yeah? Look at it. And have tasted the, hev the heavenly gift. Don't know. Become partakers of the Holy Spirit. Verse 5 says, And have tasted the good word of God. Is that the bad word of God? I'm asking a question. Because this phrase suggests that there is a bad word of God. But do you know what he meant by the good word of God? He's talking about the one that is meant for our generation. It is called the word of his grace. That was what Apostle Paul recommended to the church of Ephesus after being with them for three years. When he was about leaving in Acts 20, 32, he says, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace. Which is able to build you up and give you an inheritance among them that are sanctified. That's the good word of God. He told Timothy that study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. The word of truth is still the good word of God, separating the reality from the shadow. And the Bible talks about it and calls it the word of faith, which we preach. So the word of faith, the word of his grace, the word of truth, it is called the good word of God. It doesn't mean that it's the bad word of God, but you've got to know the one that is meant for your generation. It's not everything. We can learn from the accounts under the old covenant. We can learn from the law of Moses, but we don't live by the law of Moses. For the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. So Peter tells us to grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, which we spoke about last Sunday. And if you don't know this, Listen, there is no way you can appreciate the word of his grace, the good word of God, without the Holy Spirit. It's not possible. You can go to Bible school. I'm not against Bible school. You can go to any theological seminary. They can teach you every good thing that you can know about the word. But without the Holy Spirit, you can never appreciate the good, the good word of God. All you will get is head knowledge, which puffs up. Bible says knowledge puffs up. It makes you proud because it will come with degrees. It will come with, you know, so you are comfortable that, oh, me too, I have the DDD, I have the MDD, you have all the degrees, which I'm not against. But I'm saying that without the Holy Spirit, those things don't mean anything. It only appeals to the senses. It only appeals to the conscience of man. But when God looks at you, he said that you don't know anything. It is the Holy Ghost who teaches. He brings the good word of God. He brings it to your heart. Sometimes you get up and you realize that he will, he will whisper a word in your heart. Especially if you study, if you read. He will whisper one word. He will quicken one word in your heart. And that may be the solution that somebody needs or you yourself you need. He gives the good word. I remember. I remember. I've told this story before in 2005. When I'm taking a certain decision. And I had messed up big time. And I'm telling you, I was in big trouble. It was like the whole world had come to an end. And come on, I, I started hearing voices. And I knew that this was demonic. Because Satan just wanted to finish me by that decision. Taking big money and giving it to somebody. And then the moment the money was given, the next moment, the, the person, I gave it to another person. Then the owner who brought that money for long lease now said he needed the money and the money was not available come on it was like my world had turned upside down do you know what happened i'll be walking 
and then I will hear in my ears. Why don't you throw yourself in the street and let the car knock you so that you'll be free? I'm telling you, it was not easy. I was hearing voices. But one day when I heard that voice, initially I wasn't saying anything, but I, I knew it was not the Holy Spirit giving me that direction. But it was putting a certain fear because it's like, you don't know what tomorrow brings. What even made it worse was that I took money to pay this people. I took money from a very good friend of mine who is a pastor who was then a bank manager. I took it from him and then I paid off this person and he also needed to balance his accounts. And the money was not forthcoming. Oh, it's like your integrity is now messed up. I'm telling you, it wasn't easy those times. Then one day when I heard that voice, that's why don't you throw yourself? Then quickly, look at what God did. Quickly, I heard that will show me the path of life. In, in your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand, I said, God, you have given me the key. That was the Holy Spirit giving me a word in season to make me stand. And from that day, listen, from that day, it was towards 2005. That was the end of 2005. That was what birthed International Prayer Resort in 2006. I'm telling you how my ministry started in 2006. That was because I just told myself that, see, it doesn't matter which storm anybody comes at, at, I mean, mean, anybody encounters. It doesn't matter which storm that comes at you. There is always a way out. Then I discovered later on that there is no temptation that has overtaken you except such as is common to man. But God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able to bear. So I discovered that then it means what I was going through, it was within my capacity. But he with the temptation will make the way of escape so you can bear it. So I discovered that there is always a way out. Is there anybody who thinks that you are finished? You have not finished. Not when you have the Holy Ghost. He will give you the good word of God. And he hasn't finished. So look at that. The next one is that. The last one. I've tested the good word of God and the powers. Oh my God. Of the age to come. The world to come. Can I tell you what God wants us to do? Recently, you made a statement, Apostle Moses. It was during our fasting when I asked you to pray. And I said, this man has been following this ministry wonderfully. Because I said this in 2018, but he used the same thing to pray a prayer. When I said you should sum up his prayer, I listened to the prayer. I said, this man has been following consistently. He understood the message as at that time. Do you know what he said? He said in his prayer, the very thing I'm going to say. Do you know what God wants to use you and me to do? Sometimes we make a big mistake. When God uses us and manifests the powers of the age to come or the, the world to come. And what is that? That is the gifts of the Holy Spirit. For instance, if I come here and by word of knowledge, I mention something about you that you have done in the past or something you are doing presently if care is not taken we will miss out on the essence of that revelation it's a revelation gift that has enabled me to see something to communicate a message but what we have done is that instead of using that phenomenon to do what God says we should do we rather celebrate the people through whom God communicates these messages and then we make fanfare out of it as if we have arrived. Listen, I have said it before that there is nobody. It doesn't matter how gracious. You remember that word? It doesn't matter how gracious your revelation is. It's still a foretaste 
of the powers of the age to come. So when we have the taste, what we have to do is that when people want to celebrate us, I like Apostle Paul and Co. When God used them to do a mighty work, do you know what the people did? The people said, these are gods. So they brought animals and, you know, sacrifice. They were going to sacrifice unto them because these are gods. Apostle Paul and Co. said, no, 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 no. We are mere men like you. Don't do that. These were idol worshippers. They believe in, you know, idol worship. When Apostle Paul and Co. refused that sacrifice, do you know what they did to them? The same people wanted to sacrifice to them, turn around and beat them up, stone them. Hey! It tells you that when they say, Hosanna, please be careful. Because the next moment they will say, crucify him. That is why you don't have to put your trust in man. You do your work and let God be the judge. Praise the Lord. I don't know whether you have gotten to this state tasted of the powers of the age to come because that is what God wants to do with my, my life and with your life. But there is a reason. First, you are enlightened when the gospel is preached. Number two, you taste the heavenly gift when you receive Jesus. When Jesus comes into your life, he gives you his spirit. So you become a partaker of the Holy Spirit. Then the Holy Spirit also gives you a taste of the good word of God. Meaning that that is just a foretaste. When we arrive in the world to come, you discover that, oh, I had a foretaste. This thing that I'm enjoying, I had a foretaste. No wonder the songwriter said, oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. We have a foretaste. If you have not tasted of the good word of God, chances are that you are only listening to junk. You know junk. Messages that will only build fear in you. Messages instead of building faith will be building fear. That's junk. Messages that are confusing. Messages that cripple your initiative. Messages that keep you in bondage. That is not what God has called us to do. He, he calls the word of God, James calls it the glorious, he said that he calls it the, the law of liberty. Oh my God. Did you hear that? What? The law of liberty. Meaning that when you receive the good word of God, it liberates you. It liberates you. It emancipates you. It doesn't bring fear. I am very wary of, of late what I hear in my ears because I have discovered that some people have now specialized in they give counsel and it sounds so nice. These are spirit-filled people also but they give counsel. They will tell you that when you go to you know, a chop bar and somebody is serving you the food and then you see that he uses this hand to you know, serve the food, it means that he is imparting witchcraft. And if you keep hearing these things over and over and over before you realize you are even afraid of the one you stay with who is even serving you food because you'll be watching is he using this finger there are some things we must not teach he says let us go on to perfection he is not talking about do this don't do that there's a scripture like that maybe in the course of the week I can bring it or next week he said that don't, don't go into you know I will bring it next week by the grace of God you'll find it in Colossians and then also in Galatians go on to perfection so, after testing of the good word of God, then of the powers of the age to come. Not many of us have experienced true giftings of the Holy Ghost because we have not really desired it. But I want to tell you that God wants to do that also with our lives. Not only with preachers, not only with men and women of God, but with the entire body of Christ. That is why he said, let us go. It's a collective decision. We don't leave anybody behind. We don't make superstars of the men and the women of God and the rest of us are dependent on them. No. The essence of the apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers in our midst 
is to equip us so that we will all come to that unity of faith. And last Sunday I said that unity of faith is not ecumenism. Ecumenism is where you put various religions or various body of faith together. That's not unity of faith. Unity of faith is where we have all grown to the same level of faith. Where we have matured to the same level. Where it's iron sharpened iron. Not when I'm talking something deep, you're talking something shallow. It doesn't help the body. It doesn't help us to communicate and make our impact in the world out there. Hallelujah. So it's collective. Let us go on. So Apostle Moses prayed a prayer. I'm bringing that prayer back in case you were not part of that fasting and prayer time last week uh, from Wednesday into Friday. He prayed a prayer. And in the prayer, he made a statement and I took note. I said, wow, this man got this message 2018. What was the statement? You see, when God gives us the gifts, that is the powers of the age to come, they are meant to advertise the world to come. If you have never been in the industry of advertisement, every one of us is called for this calling. Ultimately, God wants us to advertise. There is nothing in this world. Isaiah prophesied it. Read Isaiah. He says that this one, he even called it the former. As far as God is concerned, this world is the former. So it doesn't even exist in the sight of God. He says the former will not be remembered nor come to mind by reason of the one to come. So as far as God is concerned, this one is close already. Peter even exclaimed and said that seeing that all these things shall be dissolved, the things we attach ourselves to, the things we hold on to, they will all be dissolved. What manner of persons ought you to be in all godliness and holy conversation, holy behavior? Peter admonished that way. So if there is any consciousness God wants us to have, is to have the consciousness of the one to come. Are you there? And remember, there is nothing wrong having hope in this life. No, there is nothing wrong. Throughout the week, I thought during the don't broadcast that scripture says in 1 Corinthians 15, it says, for if in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men miserable. He didn't say if in this life we have hope in Christ. He didn't conclude that I don't have hope in this life. So it's okay to have hope in this life. There is nothing wrong with it. It's okay to long for better living, better marriage, better finances, better income. There's nothing wrong with that. And we must work towards that. But if in this life only... The key word is only, if that is all you are living for, then you are of all men most miserable, most to be pitied. So going on to perfection means that we must graduate from the things that are for this life alone and start becoming advertisers. I'm bringing my message to an end. Become what? Advertisers of the world to come. So that everything that God does in your life, do you know what you have to do? If people are celebrating, he said, ah, if this is the one that you are celebrating, then wait. This is just a foretaste of the one to come. When you have been used by God to raise people from the dead, for instance, not to be worshipped, but to let people know that if the dead can come back to life, then it tells you that in the world to come, there is no more death. Are you there? Everything that God uses us for should point people to the world to come. It is a foretaste. It's a taste of the powers of the age to come. If we fail to do that, we haven't gone on to perfection yet. Let us go on to perfection. Let's come to that place of maturity where we understand the essence of our living. The reason why God didn't take you and me home immediately we got born again is because of this. So that whilst here, as representatives, anything he does in our lives. The reason why we share testimony is not so that we can bluff. It's not so that we will say that, oh, 
my God has done. No, no, no. You just let people know that if this God can do this in my life, then what about when we enter the world to come? There's no more lack. Are you there? Every time God does something in your life, point people to the world to come because Jesus is the governor of the world to come. In that world, let me just give you a picture then we can close. In that world, where we will dwell as the glorified saints, in that city, we will not need sunlight. I hope you know that. It's in the Bible. It's in the book of Revelations. We will not need the moonlight. Still, there will be sun and moon. There will be the earth. But our city will come from heaven and be planted here on the earth. And the Bible says that our city, the doors will not even be closed. Day nor night. And then the natural people who live in the world to come will be coming to our city month after month to pluck the leaves of our city, the trees that are in the city. Because the trees don't have any season. They don't have dry season. It's every month they bear different fruits. Think about it. And then they'll come and pluck the leaves. And Bible says the leaves are for the healing of the nations. I have asked myself repeated questions. At that time, there will be no more sin. There will be no more death. There will be no more sickness. What healing is that? But I can reason with my natural limitation. I can reason that if somebody is going to live in a natural body for, let's say, five billion years, definitely he needs something to sustain that body. That is why they come for the lease in our city. But in our city, Bible says the light of that city, the glory of the Lord is the light of that city. Oh my God. You haven't seen anything yet. Can you imagine the glory of one person becoming the light of a whole city? Have you imagined that? It's a city. That has an unimaginable uh, picture. No matter how you try to imagine it, a city when you walk on the streets, Jesus Christ, you see, you see, they have made the streets of gold, just like in heaven. Do you know that prayer, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, just like heaven is? That is the same thing you will plant here on earth, and it's our city. The Lord will dwell in the midst of the natural people, but we will live with Him as the glorified saints. And what even amazes me is that we don't need sunlight nor moonlight. Because the glory of the Lord is a light in that city. So if God uses you and me for anything, let's not take the credit. Let's not be celebrated. Use it to tell people there is a world to come. There are better things awaiting us. So that you take attention from yourself and point people to the heavenly gift, Jesus Christ. Somebody say, Amen.